One, two, three. Hi, this is tenor Arturo Chacon Cruz, and you're listening to the CVH Podcast. Monday, May 24th. This is the CVH Podcast, and this is episode 64. Because you care. Oh, classic CVH move. Um, twice a year, twice a year usually, I will tweak my back, my lower back. Now, this happened, used to happen much more frequently uh, than it does now, but... Um, um, because I've sort of learned to deal with it in that 99 times out of 100, it's stress-related. Like a little a little toss of, of, um, uh, of the lower back muscle can often just be stress-related. Now, people deal in stress in a million different ways. Uh, you know, some people eat too much. Some people can't eat. Some people's lower back hurts. Some people get a migraine. Some people get a stomach ache. I mean, there's there's um, there's <laughs> dozens of ways that your body can completely fail you <laughs> uh, when when dealing with stress. And and so I I I uh, I learned about it. I learned about it years ago. I learned about what causes that. And and it really took a psychologist who told me uh, after one. I wasn't even seeing the psychologist. This was a this was a friend, and um, we were at dinner. Um, and, uh, I, I, I was walking funny and she asked me if I was injured and, um, and I said, oh yeah, my, I threw my back out. It was clear that I was uh, suffering a bit. And, um, you know, she asked me, was I in a car accident? Did I fall? Was there, did I, did I go down the stairs? Like all these really extreme things. And I said, oh no, no, no. It just, you know, just every now and then I just sort of twist the wrong way and it, and it, uh, it uh, cramps up and, and it takes, you know, a week or 10 days to sort of, uh, feel back to normal. And, uh, she asked me what was going on in my life. Uh, you know, she really sort of, uh, inquired as to the current level of stress that I was dealing with. And I thought that was funny at the time. I just thought, oh, you know, <laughs> the usual, the usual, uh, life on the road stress. Um, I mean, this is a decade ago, um. And uh, she said, uh, I believe your pain is real. I believe your muscles in your back are spasmed, cramped. I do not believe that you've injured yourself. It wasn't caused by injury. She said, at your age, you know, this was 10 years ago, so I was 30-something, early 30s. She said, at your age and your, um, you know, level of uh, activity, there's really not a whole lot of reason why this should happen to this extent. Um, you know, anybody can pull a muscle, but th- this was like back seizing, barely, barely walk, can't transition between sitting and standing kind of thing. And, um, and she said, I, I, I believe that your pain is real. I doubt very seriously that you've hurt yourself, you know, short of a car accident or skiing accident or something where you've truly damaged, uh, discs in your back or ligaments in your back th- th- you know, there's no, there's no, um, Physio- physiological explanation as to why you're barely able to move right now. And we started just talking about stress and, and recognizing that that's a, that's a way your body can, can deal with it. You know, when we're putting stuff away or when we're avoiding something, your, your body puts it somewhere else. If you don't want it in your brain, your body will put it in your back or in your stomach or in your, 
whatever way you deal with stress. And for me, it's lower back. And <laughs> and so 99 times out of 100, if I if I hurt my back, I have to like reassess and I say, okay, what what am I avoiding right now? What what is on my mind? What is the thing that's causing this fear or this anxiety that's that's manifesting itself in a lower back ache? And uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's plenty. Uh, but today, I truly believe <laughs> I hurt myself lifting a fucking weight. <laughs> there was uh, somebody working out pretty close to the weight rack, and I was picking up uh, a heavy one way on the bottom. And normally, I would sort of like brace myself and and bend with my knees and make sure my back was straight and just lift with my knees and 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 pick up these two weights uh, that I kind of do shrugs with. And and they're they're really they're you know they're they're heavy weights. Uh, and normally I would kind of go, go through this awkward routine of getting them off the rack. And I couldn't do that today because somebody was very close and I didn't, I should have considered further. I just went quickly to try and stay out of their way while I, while I lifted these weights and I just, just tweaked it a little bit, you know, and at first I thought, okay, that's not so bad. That's, that's just a little tweak. That's fine. That's fine. And, uh, as I was sitting there and I was uh, shrugging these weights, standing there shrugging these weights, I could just feel feel it going right across my lower back. It was like radiated from one side to the other. And then I was very sorry that I was holding these weights because they had to go back down uh, on the rack. And there's there's no, uh, there's not a graceful way to do this. And, and, I, and I felt it get even worse when I put the left one. I put the right one down okay and then the left one went down and I could feel that I let my arm drop and oh. <laughs> This is super classic uh, CVH. This this is you know probably it is stress related. It has often happened to me right before I leave again. Now this is I'm two weeks out from leaving, but um, uh, there's there's a lot of stress uh, you know around trying to close up a house and close on a new house and 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 coordinate uh, movers and and uh, you know the endless amount of packing. You can pack all day and and still feel like you've hardly made a dent. You know, there's, there's boxes piled up everywhere and you're still just like, there is still a ton of stuff here that needs to go in a box. I don't know what any of it is. Once I close a box, I go, you might as well just throw that out because you don't even know what's in there. <laughs> I swear there's like five things in my life that I would truly like to keep and the rest, you have to be in the right mindset to pack away because you're like, why, why would you keep this? What is this? What is this? And, and I couldn't even tell you now what it is, but so often you're like, well, you know, that's, uh, you know, if it's something you've held on to for a long time and you can't even figure out why, you're still just like, well, at some point in my life, I thought I should keep this. Uh, and it goes right in the box, right to the next place. And of course, I bought a bigger house, so surely there'll be more things. Like, I'll never, I'll never be able to downsize. I'll only keep getting bigger houses with, with fewer people living in them. <laughs> Someday it'll just be two of us in 10,000 square feet, you know, <laughs> wondering what all this shit is. Uh, yeah, that, that time in Boston that I referred to, um, you know, it was it was uh, one of these situations where I, I rolled into town very sick and shouldn't have sung. And I know I've gone through this, but um, we were singing Handel and there was just nothing subtle about what I was doing. I, I, my voice was so trashed from coughing for the previous three weeks that trying to do anything Handelian was was laughable. And I was almost laughing at myself in rehearsal. I thought, you are so fucking terrible at this. <laughs> almost anybody could do this better than you right now. <laughs> and I let that creep in. And, um, and my back was just like, oh, yeah, we can deal with this right here. 
<laughs> and I was laying on my back in the apartment, desperate to um, uh, stretch it out. Uh, I travel with, um, it's so ridiculous because this happens. I know why it happens and it still happens. Uh, I travel with a billiard ball, you know, really hard, uh, number nine billiard ball. And it, and it's come with me. I've had it for years. I've had it for at least a decade and I travel with it and I, and I lay on it. You put it right where it hurts and then you just lay on it. Uh, and, and it's so hard and you just sort of have to, your back will kind of relax around it after a while. I mean, initially it hurts like hell. Uh, and then your back muscles will sort of relax around it, and that that gives you a ton of relief. But the the process of getting on the ground, <laughs> and then the first moment you sort of put your weight on this on this ceramic ball, um, it's a tough. <laughs> you avoid it. You avoid this moment at all costs because it's pretty brutal. And then to get up off the ground after you've been laying there for a while. <laughs> this is really my Achilles heel. This stress induced lower back ache. And I know, I know that it's stress-induced. And just knowing that that's what causes it is supposed to help. And maybe it's helping me all year long. I don't know. But definitely twice a year, I kind of let it go or don't think about it. or And then all of a sudden, I tweak it. And, and, and it's, a, it's a big body reset. You know, all of a sudden, because working out goes right out the window. There's nothing you can do effectively without, without making it worse. And so all I really can do is is just walk, and that seems to help stretch it out too. But there, there's no amount of weightlifting that's good for my lower back. <laughs> and so you just get sidelined. You know, you feel like some old athlete who's just like, well, you're you're on the disabled list for the next two weeks, which is super cool because uh, packing is really easy when your back hurts. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's a very easy thing to do. So that's what I'm going to be spending my time with. I'm going to lay on the floor for a day. Oh. Uh, it's laughable at this point. I start to laugh at myself when it happens. Uh, it, it's happened at really very, what I would what I would call high stressful times. And it's happened at, you know, it, yes, there's a lot of things going on, but it's fairly under control right now. You know, the, 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 the packing and the moving and the closing, like all the, all the paperwork is basically done. It's just a, it's just some busy work to, to get us through. But there, there's something about, um, obviously moving is the second most stressful thing you'll ever do in your life. Now, studies have shown that the most stressful thing that a person can go through is divorce. And the second most stressful thing is fucking moving. And so this is right up there. <laughs> this is right up there with losing half your stuff. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, it's, it's been a very easy process just considering how quickly the house sold, uh, how quickly we moved on another place. Um, it's one of the faster closings I've had, uh, in the, in the three homes that I've bought. It's, it's, um, the, the closings are on, on two and three weeks. It used to be 30 days, 45 days. Now they're, they're closing these things much faster, which makes me think they're probably just giving loans to, <laughs> to people they shouldn't. That worked out really well in 2008, didn't it? <laughs> I sold at the right time, but I don't know. I don't know if I bought at the right time. <laughs> Definitely did not. Uh, but it's such a it's such a um, a great house uh, and and one that I'll be happy to uh, leave my family safely in when I when I'm undoubtedly back on the road trying to pay for it all. Uh, 
Not a funny thing. Yeah, and it's the trigger is never always what you think it is. You sort of have to, you know, in the times where it where it happens, and it feels like everything's going great, nothing's wrong. That's a stress too. Uh, the stress that everything's going swimmingly, and maybe you should be doing more, or maybe you should be doing less, or you know, like the other things can creep in your head in those moments too. And so it's it's hard to pinpoint. There is always a stress. It's hard to pinpoint exactly which <laughs> which one of the current stresses it is. But one thing I can do is continue to study. Um, packing is probably going to get put on pause for a couple of days. Uh, so be it. Um, yeah. Uh, buried in my scores, this Don Giovanni is like, it feels like it's about 90% reset. And um, I'm I'm just doing my due diligence. I don't know how everybody else has to do it, but um, this you can't put Mozart in short-term memory. It could never work. I, I've actually never seen anybody successfully put something in short-term memory. Maybe for a day. Maybe for a morning I've witnessed uh, somebody get lucky and and get through um, a morning rehearsal on short-term memory but uh, it's it's a terrible a terrible place to put yourself uh, and especially for me anyway with Mozart there's no chance that I can do this quickly you can learn the music quickly you can learn the notes very quickly but the text you have to live with this especially in restative it, it's constantly in C major it, you, it's hard to tell the difference between one from the next and, um, you know, with it being so much of the role, it's a shocking amount of the role. Really had no idea. I, I mean, I knew because I've seen Don Giovanni a bunch uh, and, and done some of the smaller roles, but I, uh, there's really no gigantic payoff vocally uh, for the Don. May, maybe the final scene where he can really, really get going, but um, um, the, the subtleties of it take way more of the, of the energy throughout it. And the rest it is the whole story is in Don Giovanni's recit and anything he says of importance really happens in those moments. And so I'm just doing it the hard way. Uh, I, I'm doing it the way I learned how to do it, uh, which was uh, uh, sing the rhythm literally first. I'll go through, I'll play the chord changes, and I will sing the rhythm literally. Now, that's not ultimately how you're going to do it, but you need to see how it fits. Um, it, it, it helps me in the next step which is reading through the text in rhythm. Uh, you know, if the rhythm is done first, then you can move to the text and, and make sure that you're getting the small details there. And then, I, and then I go through and I figure out what the line is. Where does this line begin and end? So, you know, if, if this is the arc of it, you know, I, I, I notate that. And I'll do each one of these steps as many times as I think I have to. And it could be 10 and it could be 100 before I move on, before I'm very comfortable. And then I add the notes, just notes with the rhythm. And then I'll put everything together and then starts the repetition. You know, only after you've built the structure do I begin with the repetition of the rest. And, and that's, that has been my way uh, since I was a kid. You know, one of the, one of the first things I was learning was, was uh, Le Nozze di Figaro. And, and um, you know, there, that's endless recit too. You also get to sing some great stuff. But, um, you know, that act two recit feels like it's about 30 minutes long. Uh, I did one production where, I mean, literally, the, the Act 2 recit, which is endless, we did it open. We did no cuts. And um, during one of the rehearsals, I just started to do it as fast as I possibly could. You know, we were sort of uh, at the end of rehearsal. I was just trying to get through the scene. And so I started to speed things up, and, and, and it started to get a laugh in the room. 
And the maestro said, hey, you know what? One of the performances, do that. Just do it. Plow through it. Take take deep cleansing breaths so that the audience knows that you're trying to do that. And, and it actually turned out to be a really hysterical moment. But it's that is only made possible by hundreds of repetitions, that it's just autopilot. It has to be complete autopilot. If I have to think what's coming next, I'll, I'll uh, trip up. And so when it comes to restative, I have to be completely uh, muscle memory. It just has to be completely muscle memory where you're where nothing could stop you from hitting your line. Nothing could stop you from landing the whole thing. Uh, that That's the only way I can go on stage and deal with the exposure that restative is because it really is exposed. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a harpsichord or a pianoforte and you're, you know, every little nuance is heard. Every part of the diction is exposed. And so there's really only one way to do it and that is the old-fashioned hard way Um you know, you can learn a Mozart ensemble in a in a in a half a day if you if you put your mind to it. The notes, for the most part, are pretty obvious and repetitious enough that you can just memorize a pattern and plow on through. Uh, but when it comes to the rest, it, boy, you you know you are it's a it's a straight play at that point. You're 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 telling a story barely above, you know, speaking volume, and and it needs to be it needs to be as important as it's been made. Uh, and in this role, it's most of it. And so if that's what Mozart thinks, then you better stick to it. Um, you know, title character aside, just because you don't get the best notes of the night doesn't mean the, the role isn't as important as you think it is. And so that's my approach. Um, due diligence. I, I don't have to sing that thing until January. Uh, that's, that's a while away from now. And so uh, doing it now is the only way for me. Uh, I have to start now. I remember uh, Cheryl Mills saying that to me a million years ago. He said, uh, when you learn Giovanni, you're going to have to keep that score with you for a year. You really have to live with it. And I, and, I, and I remembered that he said that. And so I've at least been staring at the score, the front of it anyway, for a year. <laughs> uh, and only seriously cracked it in the last couple months. But um, uh, it, it's funny that it has never crossed my paths. I have colleagues that, that have done only Giovanni. It seems like it seems like they've got three a year and, and could just blow right in here and, and plow through it without thinking. But uh, I'm 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 being reduced to uh, to a newbie. You know where I'm I'm going to sing Figaro next year and and I've done that. I've I've been doing that since 2003. Uh, I I made a recording of it. I've done it in five different productions. You know it's I don't need to think about it. It's all right there. You you flip the switch and you go even after almost 20 years since the first one, uh, you flip the switch and, and you go. And that's kind of what I'm aiming for with this Giovanni. And just as soon as my back doesn't hurt, <laughs> I can get serious again. Nothing will make you feel like an old man, quite, quite like a back tweak. You go, oh my God, I've been reduced to this limping, you know, stooped over old man. <laughs> you leave the gym in defeat. I, I really, I tried. I tried to push on. I tried to walk on the treadmill, and it was just seizing up on me. And so, you know, I walked in feeling healthy and energetic, and I left. I left like I should be in traction. You know, people are asking me, if you're, "Are you okay?" <laughs> oh, this is this is pretty classic. I either pushed it too far with the weights, which is possible, or or didn't do what I normally do as far as technique to get the weight off the rack. Or I'm just dealing with the stress. The second greatest stress in the world, which 
just clearly moving. <laughs> this is life. We got to deal with it. For those of you who deal with this kind of like stress-induced torture, uh, there's a great book by a guy named Dr. John Sarno, which is called Healing Back Pain Forever. And it, and it goes into the psychology of, of where this particular... I mean, it, he goes into a lot of different things because, because stress can affect you in a lot of different ways, but particularly uh, back pain. And if you've never had back pain, you hear about back pain, you go, oh, toughen up, you're fine. But when your lower back is not right, it affects every part of your body. Every other part of your body is connected to your lower back in some way, shape, or form. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the physical act of lifting a glass, you feel it. You know, in this moment, you feel it. Or coughing. God forbid you have to have a cough or a sneeze. You know, that, that <laughs> kills. Uh, and even as I sit here, I can feel it getting worse. So I'm going to go find my billiard ball and I'm going to go lay on it for a while. That's what I'm doing today. What are you doing today? <laughs> Didn't miss my show though, did I? Here I am, right here for you. This has been the In Pain CBH Podcast. Uh, Monday... May 24th. I love you for listening. But you knew that. And uh, everybody have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks, everybody. Bye. In our days, we will live like our ghosts will live. Pigeon glass at the cornfield Stubborn boys across the road We'll keep everything Grandma's gun and the black bear